Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, so glad that you're with us this week. Finally, 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 this has only taken us about a year, but I think we have made it happen. I have Dr. Neely North with me today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm really good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good, good, good. I am so glad we finally got this worked out. Me too. I've been talking to you know to our listeners constantly about it, and, um, and I know they're going to be thrilled to finally hear about you and from you. Oh, that's uh, nice. So tell everybody what you do. Okay. So I am, I'm a veterinarian. So I, I have the, those credentials. I was a, your basic small animal general practitioner for a long time. Um, and then I slowly started learning that there are other ways, um, for example, acupuncture, Chinese medicine. And now I've gone to where that's all I do. So if you picture a specialist in veterinary medicine, so you go to a surgeon or you go to an internal medicine specialist. Um, I am just your holistic, quote unquote, specialist. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. I do acupuncture myself. Um, it's a newer thing for me. And I will say that um, it's been amazing yeah. for me. And I can only imagine how it works for the dogs when they don't understand what they're feeling like. Yeah. They don't understand why you're poking them with needles, yeah. uh, but then, but then they're like, "Oh my God, this feels so amazing!" And every time I'm with you, I feel amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it is a much better way to do this profession, in my opinion, because you know, probably you've interviewed some veterinarians, and I, I imagine that you have seen the common thread that we all wanted to do this since we were seven. You yep. know, <laughs> and and then nobody tells you that you're going to go through all this. You're going to sweat and blood and tears and, you know, feel like you're never going to get into vet school. And then you get in and then you feel like you're never going to get out. And then, and then they'll hate you. <laughs> That's right. It's like, oh, wait, <laughs> this is not the stuff that dreams are made of. So, but it, the way I'm practicing now, you know, the way I have the room set up, it's not in any way clear to them that they're at a vet clinic. There's nothing veterinary about it. There's rugs and plants. There's no steel table, um, only soft surfaces. So it's, um, it's really nice. And we do lots of positive reinforcement. Everybody's got a licky mat or a Kong filled with something. We're allowed to have treats that aren't necessarily on our list of things that we should eat every day when we're getting acupuncture. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So high value, rich stuff. And that tends to be what they remember. You know, I'll hit a spicy point when they're here and, you know, they'll turn around, you know, they don't like it. But then, people tell me, you know, they know your street. When we turn on your street, they get excited and they, they're pulling them through the door. And so that just didn't happen when I was in general practice. Yeah, I can definitely see how that, um, that can be a little different. Uh, I, I started with my Roddy, um, gosh, I guess it was probably 15 years ago. I did chiropractic with her yeah. and it was from a, um, a human chiropractor who turned horse chiropractor, who did dog chiropractic. Yes. And we would go to her house and 
it was amazing after a few times that she had one of the longest driveways. And as soon as I pulled down, my dog was whining and ready. And I mean, just thrilled. And it's like, she's like, oh, you want me to lay on my side? I'll lay on my side. You want me to stand up? I can do that. You know, what do you need? Yeah. (laughs) She loved it. Right. You know, just they feel better. And it makes such a huge difference. It does. It does. Uh, I love that. What do you find that you're doing the most um, with the, you know, I know you're mixing, I guess you're mixing Chinese herbs with acupuncture because I know my, my liver was completely, you know, my liver's Uh, blocked and I had my, you know, my eight, I say my eight BBs three times a day of Chinese. Aren't they weird? They look like little BBs. They do. They're so bizarre. What do you find that you're working on the most? As far as, are you asking what conditions I see the most? Or what technique, let's start with what, what kind of techniques do you find? Is acupuncture kind of the main thing that you're... I got you. Yes. Acupuncture, Chinese herbs and food. And, you know, I always tell people it's, it's like spokes on a wheel. It's, you know, or, you know, like a pie chart. Um, I, I like to do all three. Um, and then I typically will do adjustments when they're here too. So it's, it's hard to say what... I do the most because I just kind of do what they need. Um, I do think that my favorite is acupuncture because it's the most, it's just, it's just the most fascinating, um, quick results, things like that. So that's always, we, as the human nature, we like that. Right. Yes. And then the herbals will take a little bit more time. Um, and that's, that's when you start to hear people say, she's, I get this. I've actually had three different clients use this term. She's Benjamin buttoning. Like aging backwards or repealing the layers. She just keeps getting better. And I'm like, yes, you're feeding her, you know, actual food that is colorful and you're um, addressing the liver chi issues, which a lot of them have, and they just start to feel better and they're just a better version of themselves. And it's super beautiful. And and really that's, that's the whole reason I imagine you get into veterinary care is to make animals better, not just treat the symptoms and wait until they pop up again, but truly get to that root cause and say, you know, this is, this is kind of where we need to be hitting. And, and it's, and that's kind of when I'm dealing with behavior cases, people don't realize they're so used to, they want a trainer to come in and treat the the symptoms, right? They Mm -hmm. want to to treat the excessive barking, treat the uh, fear aggression, but it's like, you got to go a lot deeper than that because there's so much to it. And now looking beyond even that, to looking at where's that discomfort, where's that pain, what's what is that gut health doing? Why is, you know, why are we having these issues and and trying to get people to understand that there's so much more yeah. than just, yeah. you know, this is not a training issue. This is right. this goes so much deeper. And a lot of behavior is linked to not feeling good, pain, gut health. And, and it's just, it's hard to get people to understand that uh, because it's not talked about as much. It's starting to. Yeah, we're getting there. Thank goodness we're getting there, right? But, um, but it's still, it's still a challenge. Um, So having people, um, you know, having holistic veterinarians like yourself, and I'm so glad you're local um, because (laughs) I have sent several to you You uh, because I literally, there was no way of, of fixing and helping some of these dogs without having that assistance. Right. right, I mean, I can only do so much. And so it's, it's so nice to know that, that we have that opportunity to help dogs so much more and maybe even helping them in situations or or with situations we didn't even know they had. Correct. Uh, Just help fix that. We didn't even know they had it. Yeah. Um, You know, when I go to acupuncture, I have to like lay in a room by myself for like almost an hour. Right. Um, how long does it typically take with the dog? So I'll set a timer for about 15 minutes. And after a few, tr- you know, there's, it depends on their constitution. If, you know, we've, okay. we've talked, we haven't really talked about that yet, but there's earth, metal, um, fire, wood, water, and all the different constitutions are different personalities. And so your basic fire dog who is very joyful also can be sort of frightened. Um, they're pretty impatient. They might bark a lot. They look you in the face. They really want affection. They want to be the center of attention. That kind of dog, you're lucky if you get 15 minutes. <laughs> They also are the type of dog that will sometimes they'll get used to the timer and sometimes they'll shake their needles out like right at 14. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. You try to get some extra, an extra bonus minute out of a fire and they're like, nope, it's over. 
that I gave you fourteen and a half timer. minutes. <laughs> yes, we're done, lady. Um, but yeah, they you know a lot of times they're eating something the whole time, um, and not every dog. You know, I have the occasional one that will you just put three needles in and they're knocked out, and then you know they wake up when you're taking the needles out. Wow. Yeah. That's really, that's really fun, but that's not what most of my day is made of. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you get a lot of fire dogs. <laughs> I do. I do because they have a hard time adjusting to life mm. and yeah. I, I'm fire. I get that. Um, I had a hard time adjusting to life until I found, you know, acupuncture and being able to relax and meditate and these types of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, 15 minutes. The I set appointment times for 45. My first appointment is an hour and a half. Um, normally what I'll do is just have the client come into a big privacy fence backyard and let the dog sniff around while we start chatting. And that's one of the most valuable things that I do is watching them move when they're not yes. thinking about it. Yeah. And that's something that I never got to do in a four by six exam room. Right. Where a dog's cortisol is sky high, you know, adrenaline, nature's pain medicine, but they're in a backyard and they're sniffing and you might see a little hitch in their get along, if you know what I mean. Yep. Um, and I can tell you, I've been back there plenty of times with clients that think they're coming to see me because their dog has a behavior issue or they have skin problems or whatever. And I'll have to kind of very gently start talking about the way they're moving. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I see oh, that. I that was just how she ran. Yeah. That was just her. It's just her little giddy up. She's done that her whole life. Yeah. That doesn't make it normal. So it's, it's great. So after that we go in um, and then we let the dog kind of get used to the space in the room. There's always a lot to talk to the client about. I know that you're used to that as well. Yeah. Just a lot of, a lot of people um, training and along with dog training, right. Is what you do. Oh yeah. So (laughs) The people have a lot of questions and they also probably think it's a little bit unusual. You know, they're usually glad to be there, but they're like, this is so bizarre. I'm sitting in what looks like a living room and my dog just got to run around a yard with the vet watching him. This is, this is different. Um, so we let him get comfortable, used to everything. And I'll start to just very slowly do an exam once the dog comes over to me. Um, if they never do, we, you know, then I'll usually have the owner kind of hold their head and give them some treats, but typically they're curious enough that they'll start to come talk to me, sit in the floor with them and do an exam. And they barely know that the vet has showed up until she starts poking them with needles. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think they do too. So out of, so I know I probably have a fire dog. Um, what are the other ones? So I so think people are going to find this super fascinating. Oh, it's totally cool. And I'm actually in the middle of a campaign about this on Instagram. So okay, I have somebody helping me do the posts um, because she's better at it than I am. But also she loves Chinese medicine. And um, we start with wood, typically. Um, the wood dog is very strong, athletic. They can be a little bit bossy. Um, if you picture your basic alpha German Shepherd. Okay. Yeah. That is slightly prone to anger when they're unbalanced. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a wood. Um, Woods that are unbalanced can also have cruciate ligament tears. They tend to have tendon and ligament issues, Um, skin problems, even seizures, liver issues. Those are sort of like the diseases that they're prone to. Fascinating. Fascinating. I'm already thinking about like three clients. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then you've got your, um, your fire dogs, uh, the wood dogs, you have to be careful. I have to be careful needling because sometimes they are the ones that, that will want to put their teeth on me or at least they don't really, they warn me. I mean, it's, you know how it is. You're not really rarely ever get bit by a dog unless they've warned you and you didn't listen. Yep. Um, so I tend to, if that's needle number 12 and I wanted to do 15, I'm like, okay, okay, Mr. Woodcock. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> well, it is. I'm listening. And that, that's how, I mean, that's how it goes okay when they come back too. Well, you're building trust. Yes. You're kind of giving them that agency to say, I'll stop when you've had enough yeah. and, yeah. and you will get so much better cooperative care out of that when you do listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do. And I always tell people that too, like when the, when the dog is up on, I have this like, big, it's like a bale. It's kind of soft. It's not like a, your basic exam table. And I'll tell clients that I'll be like, if I can tell they're nervous, cause that's never mm-hmm. that great for the dog. I'm like, listen, this is not a required thing. If I do two needles and it doesn't go well, we are totally going to abort mission. Nobody's going to force acupuncture. It's not emergency acupuncture. Right. And that usually causes an exhale. 
and then the dog is like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mom's okay. Dad's okay. Okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with your wood dog, because they're really feeling protective of that mm-hmm. the client's energy, the owner's energy. So then you've got your fire dog. They bounced on in here. They licked me in the face a lot. Um, they may or may not be whining and barking. And um, they've already jumped on the table and they're like ready to go. They're so funny. But you put one needle in and they're like, Hur! Oh my God. I feel like this is going to be Myers whenever I do bring him to you at some point. It's, I just got a feeling that's oh, going to be him. They're so funny. They're so funny. And I've got a house full of fires. I'm a fire. I have two fire dogs. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's a mess. I need some, <laughs> I need some balance in my life. Um, but yeah, they are prone to anxiety. So it's hard to see a fire dog that doesn't at least have separation anxiety, storm anxiety, or firework anxiety. Mm. Usually got one. Um, they're also prone to small intestinal problems, thyroid, um, endocrine. So like dogs that get Cushing's a lot of times are fires. And then you've got your earth and your earth, you picture your basic slow moving overweight yellow lab. (laughs) (laughs) That's an earth. They just mosey in, in a very slow manner. They might run their head under me and then they just kind of sniff a little bit and lay down. Oh, Also, they want to eat all the treats. (laughs) Also, they're prone to diarrhea. And the clients are usually there because they're like, oh, she gets diarrhea if I look at her wrong. Um, (sighs) They're the ones that can be prone to stomach, pancreas, and diarrhea type stuff. Okay. Um, They tend to also be prone to arthritis because their love for food and their slow-moving, sloth-like metabolism, they're usually overweight. Do you find that with something like an earth dog... Once you start doing um, some treatments, do you find that 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 they kind of keep that same personality, but it's more of a normal kind of relaxed, or do you see them kind of pick it up and they be do more tend puppy-ish? to have they're more bright eyed, bright eyed okay. tail, yeah, and then they move more, and then the weight comes off, and then they feel better, and we get this positive snowball effect. But they're they're almost always going to be slightly slow moving. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They just, I'm, I'm picturing, um, Walter, this golden retriever. He's like an English cream golden retriever who I've just never seen him make a really fast move. And I've known him for a lot of years. I feel like he's living up to his name. He, he's <laughs> I mean, when you say Walter, it's just Walter. kind of a Walter. <laughs> da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, there's Harry that zips around. Like you can, my dog, my Aussie fire dog. And he's like a streak in the backyard. That's amazing. Yeah. So then you've got your metal dogs. Metal. I love metals. They're some of my favorites to treat because if you just kind of tell them, hey, this is this is what we do in this room. You get needles and and you stand there and you eat your treats and you're really good. And then they come in the next time and they're like, "Okay, I stand here and I eat my treats and I'm really good. So your basic sort of too serious border collie. Uh huh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, metals are typically pretty aloof. Like they're, I don't wait for them to come talk to me in order to do my exam because they might not. Yeah. They're not scared of me. They just have other things to do. (laughs) You're just not that important right at this minute. You're not, you're not enough chaos for them to deal with right now. No, they don't (laughs) need to settle me down. So they're going to deal with with some sniffing in the corner or whatever they're going to do. Metals are prone to, my first Australian shepherd was a metal and um, they're prone to lung disease. And he, I diagnosed him with bronchitis. Uh, I got him in vet school and it was, I think he was probably three or four. I got him when he was two or three. And then um, he actually ended up getting lung cancer later in life. Oh, wow. This was all before I knew anything about Chinese medicine, he's, he's part of the reason I went down the path. When I looked at those x-rays and slid down the wall in radiology and I was Mm. like, no. Um, and I started doing the thing that clients were doing. I was like, why does my dog have cancer? Not, not necessarily what am I going to do about it? Why did this happen? Right. Yeah. And that's when I started looking into epigenetic things like carcinogens, Febreze. This was like, you know, he, he grew up in the 2000s when everybody had a plug in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just kind of trying to figure out what happened. And it, I really went down a rabbit hole. And that's when I realized that this is what my clients are doing. When I diagnose them with mm-hmm. cancer and then the client comes back two weeks later and they've got 18 pa- papers in their hand and their eyes are red and they're like, I'm going to cook his food. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I stopped using chemicals in the yard. And I'm like, what? You know, when I was a traditional vet, I'd be like, oh. Okay. 
that escalated. Um, And it's because that's what happens. You start trying to figure out why this happened. And in in a way, I watch clients do it and I did it too. You almost like want to know if you caused it. Yeah. Yeah. Is this my fault? And um, anyway, so I went on a tangent there, but because my metal dog was like, it's like he read the book on Chinese medicine. He was super serious. He was aloof, very attached to me. They're not aloof with their owners. Um, but when they meet a new person, they're probably like, Hey, and then they're, what's my owner doing? Yeah. 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 So, um, they're also prone to like having dry stool and constipation. And then the last one is water. I know more water cats than I know water dogs. Um, the predominant emotion of a water constitution is like fear. So the type of cats that they don't try to hurt you when you're, you know, examining them or drawing their blood, but they are terrified. Saucer pupils, you know, if you, if you put a towel over their head, they're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Just this is way better. Um, I'm safe. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, you know, the occasional like Trent, the dog that, you know, back in the traditional vet days, that's under the chair and just completely trembling and they never try to hurt you, but they just would do anything to teleport out of that situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of times that's a water and it also can be a traumatized dog like that had a bad experience at a vet. But if that happens the first time they go to the vet and that happens when you take them over to somebody's house, you know, they're just like trembling in the corner. That's probably a water constitution. Okay. Very interesting. See, my grandmother I, was a water. Well, she, was she, scared of, she was scared of everything. Bless her heart. I know it. Even water. Was, <laughs> yeah. And it's, That's it's tough. So, yes, it is. It's a tough way to be. And I don't think I've known a lot of water humans, but I, I would not want to be that there. We tend to go through. So there's also phases of life. Like the wood phase of life is when you're growing fire phase in your twenties, earth phase. And like the, what you would call the childbearing years, um, metal phase is retirement. And then water phase is the last phase of life when you're more likely to be afraid. Wow. So like all of those things, kind of go along with the stages of life too. Like in your earth stage, that's when you're probably the calmest you're going to be. That is fascinating. Now I'm going to need like so many resources. Now I'm just going to start reading the books, (laughs) listening to the podcast. Yes. I know. I'm dying to start one. You need to. to I would love it. (laughs) You need to because people want this, right? No, it's so interesting. They want, they want to know what can I do, you know, for my dog. And I've lost I lost both my Rotties to cancer. I'm sorry. Um, and both of them fairly quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's like I look back and I think, what could I have done differently? You know, yep. what could I have done to help? Um, and, you know, it, it's, it is. It's frustrating. And, and sometimes you feel limited in what you can do. But I think that it's if we can get this education out to people that there is more that you can do. There are people that you can reach out to that are outside the box of what that box being kind of that norm that we need to change that, you know, this, it needs to no longer be the norm. We need to start looking more at the holistic side of things and and taking in consideration. What are we putting in our dog's body? Right. Right. What, what is their environment like at home? Um, You know, what type of chemicals are we using? Is there another way to manage pain in a three-year-old or yeah. do they have to be on non-steroidals their whole life? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And it's, it's really, and I don't think people realize the kind of the, the side effects that come with long-term pharmaceuticals. Right. Um, and I see a lot of my clients are on, a lot of my client dogs are right. on long-term pharmaceuticals to treat those symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's frustrating on my end because I can only say so much because I'm not a veterinarian. Exactly. You have to right? be careful, don't you? I have to be very careful. So right. I'm like, I'm like, okay, please, please go see Dr. North. Yeah. <laughs> She'll help you. Just please go it. see her. <laughs> I love help. I mean, it's crazy that the thing that an animal and Remedil, antibiotics, all these things, this is not me trash talking Western medicine. It saves lives. My dad was even telling me a few months ago about a would-be cousin or something or uncle or something that he had that, that died when they were young. And he said they got pneumonia. And I was like, well, what, why did he, he was something else wrong. And he said, no, honey, it was before penicillin. Ah, 
Yeah. And so, I mean, like, this is a big deal. And I would, I don't want to live in a world that doesn't have non-steroidals and I don't want to live in a world that doesn't have antibiotics. However, do I think that they're overused? Yes, I really yeah. do. I really do. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many muscle spasms I can help break up and teach the client how to break them up. And then you don't need Remedil for a muscle spasm. You need to break up the muscle spasm. And that's just a tiny little example. Yeah. Yeah. And that, again, is just, and I think it's our, it's our society of, we want quick fixes. I mean, we really do. We, everything needs to be at our fingertips and done. And and I know that dealing with something like, um, you know, more of a Chinese medicine and, and I had Rita Hogan on, who's the canine herbalist. And, uh, you know, she said, the biggest thing is patience. You've got to have patience Mm -hmm. when dealing with you know, the root cause of what you're seeing. But if you have that patience, yeah, it pays off. It does. And you can still use your non-steroidal in the short game. Mm -hmm. While then I always tell people that they'll, (laughs) they get very excited, you know, first, first visit, um, you know, maybe a hip dysplasia dog or, you know, knee pain or something like that. So should I stop the Remedil? And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead. You can, right now you're good. (laughs) Right now you're good. We're going to start our herbs. We're going to lose five pounds. You know, we're going to change our diet and you're going to know, you're going to know when you don't need it. And we're going to very slowly, we're just going to decrease the dose first. And then we're going to kind of see how it goes. And I want you to always have it around. I tell people when we, when we stop it, you're either going to stop it when you still have half a bottle left, or you're going to ask for a refill. Because you don't ever want to just, just give it till it's gone and then it turns out you needed it and then your pet is suffering while right. you're waiting. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I have Advil on the shelf. It, a lot of times it goes bad. But right. <laughs> you know, people right now go, what do you mean Advil goes bad? What do you mean? <laughs> it does. When you, you have a bottle that's eight bottle. years old. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, it goes bad. I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't take old Advil sometimes. But. <laughs> You know, I don't even know if I've ever looked at the expiration date on my Advil bottle. Oh, maybe you shouldn't. I thought I, I, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe that's be bad. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody that listens to our podcast knows Clark. Oh, you true. say, I feel like you saved Clark's life. Amanda saved Clark's life. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to yeah. pat Amanda on the back. Yes. But you really... He was a, he was very, to me, when I looking from the outside, I was like, this is, he's a difficult one. It There's was. a lot. It seemed like there was a lot going on with him. Absolutely. And the nutrition part was kind of the main hub on that. Yeah. And his and, Chinese herbs too. Um, a lot of times it's easier to talk about the food part, but remember that he also went on herbal. We worked on his gut flora. We did a lot of things with him along with changing his diet. And he is doing amazing. Yeah. He looks I great. mean, he's, and, and I don't think people realize, and we've talked about it so much on this, on this podcast, and I will continue to talk about it, how important the right nutrition really is to yes. everything. And, and yeah. when I, that's usually the first thing I will change with clients is nutrition um, because, you know, they, they see these great advertisements. These these bags are beautifully marketed for humans. Uh, they are. It's great, um, but it truly is. Kibble is the one you know, in the most convenient, but not the best. Um, I don't think people realize that that nutrition truly is important. When you see clients, I would imagine that probably ninety to ninety five percent of your clients you change their food. Yes, <laughs> I would say. 100% I at least try. All right. There you go. So nobody comes in with the right diet to start um, with, typically. You know, there have only been a couple. Okay. There have been a couple that I'm like, oh, good choice. Let's keep it up. All um, right. Yeah. But in general, I think that people, clients are scared to feed something that's like, you know, human grade whole foods because they haven't had a veterinarian's blessing. And until we get to where, you know, we all kind of know about these diets and we can say, okay, yes, this is a good one. Um, I don't think that people will be really ready to just gung ho to change on their own. Or maybe I just don't see those people. Come to think of it. 
Well, I, they're, they're like, we don't need you. Cause <laughs> yeah, I did it. My dog's better. I don't need Dr. North. But then there's some that are, they're terrified. They're like, I just don't want to do the wrong thing. And I'm like, Hey man, I get it. Well, the, the information that's out there, it's like, it's, it's so the extreme. It's like, Oh my God, don't do this. You'll kill your dog. Oh, right. do this. This is the only thing that has science, you know, it's research. And it's just like uh-huh. people are overwhelmed. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and I think that reaching out and, and this is what I've heard across the board from most of the veterinarians that I've talked with and dealt with is that veterinarians get very little nutritional education in school. Right. Right. And so it, a lot of times the information just comes from representatives from mm-hmm. the companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I tell my clients and, and I do, I get some clients that are like, oh, no, I can't change my food. And, and it does this and that. And and it's just like, you know, it's for me, if I want to if I want to better my health and my stomach, I'm not going to go to my gynecologist and be like, hey, yeah, <laughs> what do I need to eat? Yeah. Other than more red meat. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, I think finding veterinarians or holistic veterinarians, and, and I would imagine that probably all holistic veterinarians are well educated on food because that's such a huge part. It is a huge part. Um, I don't, again, I love, I love my profession. This is not, I'm not trying to be, I don't want to be negative, but I also don't understand why we're the only medical profession that is continually recommending that our patients eat more processed food. It is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. What's wrong with your animal? Oh, I think you should eat way more things that are brown and cooked at 425 degrees. It just doesn't make sense to me. Me either. And and that's right there is why you need a podcast. <laughs> probably just don't want to hear from the rest of my profession when I start said podcast. Well, you know, the way I look at it is maybe they, you know, they can learn something from you. Maybe they Sometimes could. you just don't know what you don't know. It's true. You're right. You're right. It's true. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. This yeah. is not the way I practiced when I graduated from vet school in 2006. I, I love that you took what you love but knowing that there was something out there that really could get to the root cause of things and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to step out. I'm going to step outside of my kind of maybe comfort zone because that's what everybody knows. Right. And it's like, and I'm going to go into this kind of, I say new thing. It's, it's been around at least for the last probably 20 years. I can remember some holistic bets around this area, but it, I think it's just becoming so much more prominent and, um, and I'm hoping, and, and the way my clients have talked, you are very busy and hard to get into. And I love that. Um, well, you, it's, I think part of that is that you make it sound like I've like got a, a list of clients in my long, but I do, I'd keep it small. And when you, when you book an hour and a half for a new client, there's only so much time and 45 minutes for your follow-ups. Yeah. You only see so many in a day. Um, but I felt like before I was practicing like this, that clients were always leaving having more questions. And I would really prefer for them to be like, well, I don't have anything else. I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And I can totally see that because even though, I mean, I loved my vets that I had with um, my Roddy's, but it's like, yeah, I left with more questions of, mm-hmm. you know, what can I do now? And and I really felt like, I mean, time I found it my first Roddy, it was, she was gone within two weeks. Um, oh, and I mean, I had had I had just had blood work done, and she was, was eleven. Her blood work was great. Um, it was, I think. Yeah, I've, yeah. both of my dogs that I've lost to cancer when they were fifteen died with normal blood work. Yeah, and I think that's what kind of threw me for a loop. They were like, they did the blood work, and they're like, she looks like a young dog. And I was yeah. feeding raw at the time. Yeah, and what we need just- is to is to normalize taking x-rays and doing abdominal ultrasounds of, of older dogs as part of um, just a normal older dog workup. Yeah. So changing that geriatric exam. I mean, yeah. it's because she, yeah. And she had gone under anesthesia for just to remove a knot on her paw. And um, next thing I know, she's not eating. And, hmm. and within two weeks we opened her up for surgery and she was full of it. And then my last one had, um, I forgot what it was, but probably the same thing on her spleen and her spleen ended up rupturing. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, now I'm looking at my little guy and I'm like, okay, what, what can I do differently? But, and I think that a lot of people, and I know, especially for me with the Rottweiler, 
just prone to cancer? When do we stop saying these dogs are prone to cancer and being satisfied with that instead of saying we can do things to help this, that it's not a death sentence because of the breed? Right. And and I think people need to, that's what we, I think we need to get outside the box and see that we can make changes instead of saying, well, I have a Rottweiler, so eventually she's going to die of cancer. I mean, and there's really nothing I can do. And I think that that's, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're you're correct. So from my point of view, I would say, get this dog into a holistic vet from the get-go. Let's identify what our constitution is. Let's look at our tongue. Let's feel our pulses. Let's see what Chinese medicine patterns there are. If there's a liver yin deficiency, we're going to go ahead and start. I'm going to tell you what foods you need to do, cooling foods, yin tonic foods, and here's a Chinese herb. And I might not even need to see you, but two or three times a year, just to make sure we're managing said liver yin deficiency. If I never met you and that went on for a long time, it turns into liver blood deficiency and then blood stasis. And next thing you know, the dog has cancer. So starting when they're young, and then there's also the whole like, we live in a toxic world kind of thing, mm-hmm. so doing the best to your best to keep chemicals out of your yard and out of your home and plant-based cleaning stuff and know that whatever you mop your floor with, if you wouldn't pour it down their throat, do not put it on your floors. And that sounds I, dramatic. I want you to say that again for all the listeners in the back. <laughs> whatever you mop your floor <laughs> with, if you would not pour it down their throat, do not mop your floor with it. I'm going to go clean my cabinet out now. <laughs> um. <laughs> They absorb, you know, they absorb stuff through their paws and then they lick them too. See, and here's the thing. I mean, I've been in this business for so long and I, even I'm like, oh shit. I mean, vinegar, water, lemon, it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what I want my listeners to hear is that you can get outside the box. Yes. That don't have to stay mainstream and it's not as difficult as you think. So. So what I'm hearing is that, would you think it's a good idea to just, you, you have a holistic vet yes. that you go to just like you would go to your normal vet? Because you don't do the normal veterinarian. You don't do vaccinations, fecals, things like that. Correct. But you believe that it's important that whether you're having problems or not, just yes. getting started healthy. I do. That's my favorite way to do it. And right now, it seems like, I mean, I'd say maybe 5% of my clients bring in a young dog. But right now, most of the time when I get to see a young one, it's because I met one when it was really sick at the end of its life. They saw how much this can help. They learned so much about how to take care of their dog. That dog eventually passes away. They get the new one. And they're like, we're going to start out like we can hold out. Let's do a puppy visit. I love it. I do too. It makes me so happy when they, so when they get, don't started. wait until you have problems, right? Get yeah. in there. You almost always have a, a Chinese medicine pattern like going on in some way. Um, and I can typically feel it from their pulses. I see, I see tongue pictures. Oh my gosh. Instagram drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, Oh no, that dog is. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, it's like a poster child for whatever, you know, it's being a poster child for and I'm, but that tongue, it's two years old. His tongue has deep cracks. This is bad. This is bad. I know it's hard to be me sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could work on that. Yeah. See, those are the type of things that people just don't think about, right? We think, okay, yearly vaccinations. Okay. Fecal heartworm. Okay. Let's do that. And then unless the dog's sick, I don't see any, you know, my dog doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I talk, you know, with chiropractic adjustments, you do those, correct? I do. I do. We're not really allowed to call it that. It's because I didn't go to chiropractic school. So we're supposed to call it spinal manipulation or spinal um, manipulation. Yes. Do you find that a lot of dogs could benefit from it, even if they're not showing signs? Because, you know, I see a lot of dogs that are jumping around and and a lot of times I'll kind of play with the backside of them right on either side of the spine and I'll see those twitches. Yeah. And, And I think that even if they're not showing really outward signs, major outward signs, I feel like almost every dog would benefit from chiro- from spinal manipulation. <laughs> yes. It's kind of rare for me to do what we call a motion palpation exam, which is where I go through each individual um, 
a facet joint and just feel how it's moving and then kind of feel our neck bones. And you can technically do a, a spinal manipulation slash chiropractic exam on their whole body. I can, I can examine their toes, their elbows. They get a little tired of it. After <laughs> I try to start with what's most important. Um, but it's rare for me to do that entire exam and the pet not need an adjustment slash sometimes while I'm doing the spinal manipulation, I'll feel something adjust. Wow. Yeah. So, and what that does is, and actually my chiropractor explained this to me years ago. I was like, what are you doing? This is before I knew that. I was like, why, why is it that you do that? And then all these other things feel better. And he uh -huh. said, if you think about your nervous system as a safety pin that can be closed or open before you come in here, it's open and the loop, not everything can go around the loop like it's supposed to. He said, I'm just closing the safety pin so everything can communicate. That makes so much Beautiful. sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to ask my Cairo why he never explained it to me that way. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever ask? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I'm that person that's like, no, no, but what are you doing? No, but what are you doing? I know what you're doing, but what? But tell me more. I'm I'm just that person that walks in and says, my body hates me today, and I really need you to get us on the same page. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Every the next week question I'm there. is, how do you do that? <laughs> what they do say. That. I love asking human practitioners to explain stuff to me because it's just, I don't know. I, just, I love learning, I guess, is what you're, it is. You're a nerd like us. Yeah. nerdy. Big time. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm going to need like, uh, I need like 14 reference books and resources mm -hmm. so I can start Oh, yeah. understanding this more because I, could definitely I do, it takes, I just think it takes a village sometimes to help these dogs become the best version of themselves and, yeah. and to help the owners understand that that sometimes they only get like 60% of what their dog could be. And they yeah. think that 60% is a hundred and it's not. Right. And just right. imagine how wonderful 60 is what you could have at a hundred. Yeah. And I think the we do the same thing that, for us. Exactly. The other thing that I've noticed too, since I've been practicing like this is I think that we expect a fade out the last two to five years of a dog's life. Mm -hmm. And I noticed, you know, previously, even with my previous dogs before I knew how to practice like this and just my previous patients, there was, there was always like, they were just kind of going downhill. And whenever you're doing regular acupuncture, spinal adjustments, food, herbs, adjusting their microbiome after they have to be treated for something, they tend to stay really, really, really good. And yeah, it's like a little bit less good than before, but they're not going downhill. And then one day it's time. I, see, I love that because yeah. you're not seeing that. I know watching our guy, we our, we lost our oldest when he was 16. Nice. I think he was 16. He's a flat-coated retriever. We oh. lost him just a couple of months after my last Roddy and um, watching him kind of slowly go down and, and seeing kind of, you know, the back movements and how, you know, uh, we could have done more. Uh, and yeah. looking back now at the God, we could have done more. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I don't want people to get to that point. I don't want people to do like I did to where I watch right. my dogs and go, I could have done more because right. now there's opportunities of doing more and not yeah. waiting until you see that. But it's like, it, it's truly maintenance. I mean, we're so good at, at giving maintenance to our cars. We are terrible at doing maintenance on ourselves and we're terrible at doing maintenance for our pets. Right. And I, and I think that we have to do it, you know, just to, to make everyone's life better. I mean, if you don't want to maintenance yourself, fine, but your dog depends on you. It's, yeah, they can't, right. they can't, they literally can't do anything about it. <laughs> right. They, no they can't pick up the phone and make an appointment. No. no. <laughs> no. So I had this one really crazy case that I sent you. Um, love this dog, Violet, who was oh, yeah. excessively licking the couch to where it was just, and her her activity levels, her pupils were constantly dilated. I mean, everything was just, wah! And I was so happy that they went to see you. Um, and I think you're still seeing her on a regular basis. Right. Um, and she is so much better. She what is. were some of the things that you could, you see when you deal with cases like that? And you don't have to talk about her specifically, but when you're seeing cases like that, that has kind of these weird behavior um, mm -hmm. issues, what are some of the common symptoms or issues that you're seeing with those? The most common when there's ever, when there's a behavioral issue, I actually read a paper recently 
about, I can't remember what the, the technical term for the excessive licking of things was, but there was a huge percentage of them that were nauseated, had stomach problems, just as a basic something. To it makes sense. So I always um, try to figure, make sure that their food is, here we go with food again, is, yep. is what their body can digest and work on their microbiome and make sure that they're not having any other signs of nausea. Um, but in general, when I see a, a behavior case, a dog that is, you know, quote unquote, doing things that are crazy, um, almost all of them have liver chi stagnation. So chi is, is life energy, it's spelled QI, and the liver chi becomes stagnant with stress, change, um, trauma. And that's sort of how trauma gets trapped in your body is liver chi stagnation. So the most classic example of that is like PTSD. So if you knew a PTSD human who was biting their cuticles to the point that they were bleeding, that's sort of similar to a dog that's licking something like crazy or even some hotspot dogs, um, acral lick granuloma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, when they're traumatizing, a lot of times those acral lick granulomas are on an acupoint and it's oh. making them feel better. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. See how smart yeah. dogs are. <laughs> My teacher would say the dog is trying to needle himself. <laughs> It's a very smart dog. So when their liver chi is stagnant, it can't get unstuck. A lot of times the dogs will sigh a lot <sighs> You when you see that going on. Um, and then if their liver chi is stagnant, there can be some heat that appears, and then that heat can go to the head. This is when you get the dogs that are really upset and their eyes are red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in human form, um, super angry people whose eyes are red that are terrifying. Yes. It's probably their liver chi. That's not who they are. That's how they're acting. I love that. It's not who they are. It's how they're acting. Yes. Yes. It wasn't that's who Violet was. It's how she was acting. And she's exactly it's not like this dog has turned into a Walter, right? Right. <laughs> no, she's definitely no. not a Walter. <laughs> we did not change her. We didn't do a personality swap, but she doesn't have that crazed look in her eyes anymore. Yeah, you're right. Cause it, it was almost like she was constantly like, I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like all these, it's, I felt like all this information was throwing, was being thrown at her and her system was like, I don't know what to do with this. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was one of those where I'm like, there's what you're seeing out here is something so much deeper. I can't touch that until we get yeah. <laughs> until that's taken care of. Yeah. There's, when I when I first met her, she was actually very painful in the in some of the acupoints for the liver, the back shoe points for the liver. Um, so painful that I was having to use like cat sized needles for this, you know, pity dog wow. in those points because she was so. And those dogs don't really show you pain. Their, no, their pain uh -uh. tolerance is is sky high. So the fact that I had to use tiny needles in those points was significant. I love the clients that listen and do those I things know. I ask. Me too. Because, you know, it, it just, you could tell that she just wasn't feeling good at all. Right. And, um, and she didn't want to be the way that she was being. Nope. It was just like, it, it's almost like she was screaming, help me. Yeah. And because her it, owners again, are phenomenal. Just, oh, yeah. And, uh, they're just phenomenal. Love them. And she is doing, she's doing really well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And that's the thing, like, how else would they have known if you hadn't, if there's, because people, you, we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. And there's, there's lots of humans out there that would do anything for their animal. And they just don't realize that this is an option and that licking the couch is something that somebody could help with. You know, it's just like, they just think, oh, that's what my dog does. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, it's just, it's just a behavior issue. Yeah. Instead of looking at it as a symptom. We need to figure yeah. out, is that dog nauseated, you know? What, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? Why do they feel crazy? What's their liver chi up to? So, you know, we, we talk about a lot on gut health and nutrition. There are a couple of tests that we will um, recommend to people to take to see what their dog's sensitivities and intolerances are. How do you go about figuring out kind of the nutritional needs um, for some of your patients? So I'd use the tongue and pulse a lot. Um, the training that I've had with Chinese medicine to determine what's going on in the body. So for example, say I see an earth dog 
and um, they're feeling kind of sluggish. They're getting a bunch of lipomas and I feel their pulses. And there's this, um, there's something that we call phlegm or damp that, and this happened to Clark actually too. Um, and whenever I can feel that it's almost like um, I can feel the blood going by my fingers sluggishly. And when that phlegm settles out in the body, it can settle out as tumors and things like this. And phlegm is a result of poor digestion. So the next thing that I would ask is, of course, I already know what all they're eating and just, you know, talk to the people about some types of foods that might cause this and let's change some things and then start some herbs that help dissolve phlegm. Things that you're not allowed to eat when you have phlegm, like dairy, peanut butter, um, bread, which most of them aren't doing anything really rich. I'll even sometimes if it's bad enough, I'll take them off of any organ meat. Really? Yeah. If, if they're having trouble digesting, we got to get their digestion strong and then add it back in. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So the other thing that can cause that actually is raw too. So if, if that dog is say they're seven and they've been eating raw their whole life, they may have had strong enough digestive energy from up until four and then something changed. I don't know what it was. Maybe they went on a round of antibiotics. You know, maybe they ate the wrong poop outside. I don't know. <laughs> but but they, their digestion became weaker and they started to develop this phlegm and the stamp. Um, and then that's when they probably need more cooked foods. I'm actually prone to that pattern. And my Chinese medicine practitioner, when it happens to me, she'll say, less salad, more soup. <laughs> Which is like the best is basically like less raw, more cooked. Yeah. So I see that a lot. And it's, you know, people think, oh my gosh, I'm doing the right thing. I'm feeding raw, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times you are. And I don't see the ones that don't develop damp because they're doing great on it. Right. (laughs) Um, And then I do see the ones that it turns out it's not good for them anymore. And sometimes we get them back to where it is. I just switched one back recently um, to raw. So it's not like they have to go off of it forever. This happened to me with ice cream. When I, when I was having a rough time with my spleen cheek, there was a, there was a time where I would, this is uh, gross to talk about. I would actually vomit if I would eat ice cream, which is seriously super unfortunate. Yeah. That is so unfortunate. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) And, you know, flash forward a year later after I take care of a lot of things, including some of the stress points in my life, I could eat it every night now if I wanted. Wow. So I didn't have a dairy intolerance. I had weak digestion. See, it just makes you wonder all these, like these things that people are getting diagnosed. It's like, do you really have it? Or is that just another symptom that we're now putting a label on? Right. To treat that instead of getting to that root cause. Exactly. Say, this is where I get really geeky and nerdy. (laughs) Nutrition and gut health and behavior. It's also I mean, why whenever, whenever an animal has been tested, I look at it, but I'm like, okay. And, and just kind of grain of salt. I'm like, okay, I, I don't always follow the testing because if I feel their pulses and I'm like, dude, it's not the food, it's their body. So let's fix their body and then see what, what all we can eat after that. All right. Cause we, we recommend a lot of times we recommend the uh, Dr. Jean Dodds, mm-hmm. her NutriScan test. And then uh, Glacier Peak Holistics has a, st- a stress test. So those are usually the two that, um, and most people go with the Glacier test because it's much more affordable. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing is that it's probably just better just to come to you. I mean, anytime, <laughs> anytime a human can, can identify a root cause, yes, that would be great. But I mean, I, I don't want to say that those tests are are not valuable, Um. I just think there's like several different ways to address things, right? Yeah. And and for me, you know, I always want to make sure that things are cost effective for my clients because we know it's going to be kind of a long term. There's going to be a lot of changes and um, a lot of fun. So for me, I'd rather them just come to you to to get everything taken care of and looked at as a package instead of spending the money on one little thing that is not necessarily going to give us the the clearest picture. Right. Where you can give that kind of clear picture. A lot of times if a dog walks in and they've got a very red tongue, they've got very fast pulses, they're fiery, they're panting all the time, they're drinking lots of water. And I look at their glacier test and it says, you know, to not eat super hot meats. You know, I'm looking at it and it says not to eat lamb. And I'm like, yeah, I could have told you that with yeah. my hand. <laughs> you know, don't eat chicken. Okay. Okay. I that too. That's very, those are the two hottest foods out there and your dog is burning up. It makes sense. 
Yes. Does that mean the dog has a chicken intolerance or does it mean that they're just way too hot to eat that right now? Yeah. I'd say, okay. We've, you've, either. you've got to do this podcast. You've got, <laughs> look, I will, I will just come on and just drill you with questions okay. because this we'll is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I know that my listeners are like, oh my God, I need more. I need more. I need more. Yeah. What are some of the things, where can people go to find more information if they're not local and they have no access to you? Um, I know you offer like Zoom consults. I do. So mm-hmm. what are some of the, so what kind of resources could people kind of reach out and, and find so, to, to get a little more education? So Chi, Chi University, I think it's chiu.edu. So C-H-I, it's out of Reddick, Florida. There is a vet finder tab on their website and you can type in your um, zip code and see if there's anybody who's certified in Chinese medicine near you. A lot of times there is, you just don't know it. Um, I mean, I don't have a billboard. I don't even have a billboard. <laughs> you need one. You can throw one up there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Put my mug up there. See what happens. Um, You're going to need to hire like 12 more people. uh, Right. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, And then there's the AHVMA. So a lot of people don't know that there is a Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. I had no idea. We have a conference and everything. And um, it's it's part of what helped me learn. I went to one in California in 2000, I think it was 2017. And almost everybody out there only practiced holistic medicine. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? What, you, what do you, you mean? That? They were talking about fecal transplants back then. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> they, were, they were talking about how they unplug their routers at night, you know, and this was 2017. I've only recently heard of this kind of stuff lately about like, you know, EMFs and stuff, but the things that they were talking about was just, it was blowing my mind. And, um, I felt like I'd found my people and, yeah. I'm, but I'm on the East coast. And so I was, I was pretty much one of the only people there that was East coast. And that was sort of what helped inspire me to be like, Hey, you don't have to practice regular veterinary medicine. There's 10,000 vets out there. Why don't you do what you like? Mm-hmm. What, what the life is pushing you towards anyway, and then let somebody else do all that other stuff. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So AHVMA, I think it's org. You can find um, Holistic Vets on their website as well. Awesome. We will put those in the show notes as well, um, as well as we're going to put your contact information in there. Great. Yay. And Uh I have an Instagram page that I put some, there's, if you scroll down through it, there's lots of the different tongue posts where you can look at different tongue colors and textures and learn what those mean. See, that's so fascinating because now I'm going to be looking at my own tongue because my acupuncturist looks at my tongue and I'm just like, (laughs) like, I know you're looking for something. I don't know what. (laughs) But I know, Gosh, when you start googling human tongue pictures, it really grosses me out. <laughs> I can look at dog tongues all day long, but human tongues, I'm like, oh man. You're like, no, oh, good. <laughs> I'd rather have a tongue to look at that probably ate dog poop or cat poop or yes, totally cleaner. fine with that. It's normal. <laughs> I am so glad we finally got to do this. Me too. Can you? Will you come back? Yeah. I think we should probably. I think we should have like Amanda on with us. Yeah. Um, and I know you also see Heather Garrett. And uh, so it's like I was hearing your name so often mm-hmm. before Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. Amanda. Exactly. <laughs> like, I must know this person. Of course, yeah. I knew you as Dr. Neely and Dr. North. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> Are there two of them? The same person? <laughs> yeah, because Neely can sound like a last name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, I just, I'm going to call you a badass. That's what I'm going to call you. Aren't you nice? Thank I, you. I I love what you do, and I am grateful. Even though I've never, I, we've never been in person together. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> I am so appreciative of how you've helped my clients, and um, and I will continue to be pushing them your way. <laughs> Thank you, and same to you. I know that you've helped a lot of. We've got a lot of animals that have been mutually helped. And that is, it takes it takes a village. It does take a village. It takes a village. Well. Thank you for being on. Um, I, I appreciate you so much. Thanks and, for uh, having me. I really appreciate you. Keep getting the good info out there. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. And would you get that podcast going, you let me know. I know. We'll we, may, we may have to talk after this and <laughs> teach me what to do. A teacher, it's so easy. You just get on and you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> 
All right, Dog Speak listeners, I know that you've enjoyed this. I know you guys have been waiting months and months and months and months for this. And I know that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, be sure you go and follow her Instagram page. We'll also link it um, because there's so much good information out there. Um, and I am just, I'm in love with the whole Chinese medicine thing. And yeah. uh, I, I got to get my brain going more on it. So, so yeah. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys.